This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. I mean, during the pandemic, we've been really come, become familiar with, with debates about mask wearing. Um, we, you know, was mask wearing an infr- infringement of our personal freedom? Hands up yes, hands up no. Was mask wearing, let's not have that debate, no. Was mask wearing to protect others or was it to protect the wearer? You know, when should we do? When should we wear masks? And actually, it's interesting because if, you'd have, if I'd have Googled uh, mask wearing uh, before the pandemic... Uh, you wouldn't have found lots of pictures of, of people wearing masks. And I, I think actually, you know, in all honesty, I think it's a sensible thing to wear masks. And, and certainly I suspect that as we go into the winter, mask wearing will be back because we need to be careful. So I'm not making a comment about mask wearing, but I think if you Googled mask wearing before the pandemic, you'd have realised that mask wearing probably meant something else. Humanity's been wearing masks long before the pandemic. Crime writer Agatha Christie put this, put it like this, the human face is, after all, Nothing more, nothing less than a mask. A Japanese proverb said, you have three faces. I don't know if you've been called two-faced, but in Japan they call you three faces, I guess. The first face you show to the world. The second face you show to your close friends and family. The third face you never show to anyone. It's the truest reflection of who you are. And you can be sure that the mask that you show to the world, the face that you show to the world, is the best image of yourself. Uh, nobody's going to show their worst image of themselves. They're, we try to show the best image of ourselves. We try to, uh, to, to look slightly, more, slightly better looking. Um, I know it's harder for some of us as we get on. Uh, we'd like to look more fun, more happy, uh, more intelligent, more patient, more kind, more, more generous, more big-hearted. That's the you that you want everyone to see, correct? You're sort of slightly worried because you think I'm drawing you into a chaff, trap, and I am. Um, <laughs> You know, a psychologist, uh, Phil McCraw, says we all have a social mask, right? We put it on, we go out, we put our best foot forward, our best image. But behind the social mask is the personal truth, who we really, really are. And it's interesting, the Bible's not behind the curve on this, because right in the first few pages, uh, we find people covering themselves up. They weren't wearing masks, but they were wearing fig leaves. And right at the very beginning, when humanity rejected God... They suddenly found, it said that they realized they were naked uh, and they covered their shame with fig leaves. And, and, and that, that was a kind of image of hiding from each other. Adam and Eve realized they were naked, hiding from each other. And then the, ne- the very next thing they do is what? Does anyone know? They hide from God. <laughs> they hide from God and they hide from each other. And it's interesting, although Jesus doesn't reference that in the Sermon on the Mount passage, the reality is what we're talking about this morning is mask wearing. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount wants to tell us about a righteousness that goes beyond the outside. And we've talked about a righteousness that, 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 that says it doesn't murder, but actually deep down behind the mask there's no anger, a, 
a, a righteousness that doesn't commit adultery, but deep down behind the mask has got sexual desire in its right place. And, we, and, and, and Zach talked last week about a righteousness that doesn't hold anger and revenge in our hearts. And Jesus is working upstream, he's working against the flow to say, no, what you present like is really not what, we're, what, what ideally we're looking for. I'm looking for the motives of your heart. I, I'm, I'm after, in this particular bit of the Sermon on the Mount, is after our mask-wearing attempts at image management, our fig leaf attempts to hide our brokenness, our sin, and who we truly are. Dig? So that's where we're going. So let's read. Uh, he punches his thesis straight out of the beginning, chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness or your, your righteous acts, says some, in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in the heavens. So when you give to the needy, uh, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. I tell you the truth, you've received your wages or reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand know it, is, is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their wages in full. But when you pray, go into the, your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling empty words like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then there's a little bit where he tells you how to pray, which is the kind of Lord's Prayer which we spoke about last, uh, just before the pandemic, so I'm not going to talk about that. And then he jumps again into the same pattern. Don't do this, do this. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their wages in full. But when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face, so it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Father, I pray as we, as we look at these words, we are already in the spotlight. I, I don't need to preach them, Lord. We're already here. We're already aware of our attempts to make ourselves look better than we are. And I pray, Lord, that you would, as, as Laura brought in that word, you'd, you'd, you'd help us to open the door. You'd help us to not hide, but to open the door so that you can do heart work with us. That we wouldn't be just to present a nice boot bunch of people. What a friendly people. But it's just a fake. We pray deep down, you'd make us a people of the kingdom. God's people said? Amen. Amen. So that's where we're going. So the first thing Jesus says is be careful. Be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And you might think, hang on a minute. I, I'm already confused. Jesus is saying, don't show your righteousness before other people. You think, great, okay, so everything's got to be in secret. But a little bit earlier, he said what? Anyone help me? Or does it say there already? Oh, flip. I shouldn't do PowerPoints, there's no tension. He says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what, what is he asking? What's he asking? Is he saying, we can't show our good deeds to people? Oh, we can. Turn to your neighbor and answer that question. Can you or can you not show your good deeds before people? 
Now, if you haven't got a neighbour, shame on you. <laughs> and the answer is, the answer is, I'm looking at Tim because he was a sharp boy last time I was preaching. Anybody, what's the answer? The answer is yes, <laughs> like last time. It depends on what? It depends on your motive. It depends on your motive. So if you want God to be glorified, if you want him to be honoured, him to be esteemed, him to be praised for the good deeds that you do, then great, that's your light shining out. Yeah. But if you, if you want the honour, and I'm pointing at myself, if you want the esteem, the praise, the reputation, if self-promotion is the aim, Jesus says, be careful. Be careful. One theologian, A.B. Bruce, all theologians are called Bruce by a second name if you've been reading books, but this one's called A.B. Bruce, as opposed to F.F. Bruce or whatever Bruce there is. He says this, we are to show our good deeds when tempted to hide them and when tempted and, when, and hide when tempted to show them. So we're tempted to hide our good deeds, to hide our light under the basket when what? When pressure comes. If you're in the workplace and you, have to, and you tell people that you're a Christian, that is not going to draw applause, is it? <laughs> it's, they're going to go, hmm, is this person a bigot? I'm, I'm concerned about their views on this issue and this issue. Mm. So we're tempted in that moment to hide, right? And to be honest, sometimes it's wise, you know, you just continue to hear of situations where people have said things. Perhaps they could have thought a little bit more carefully, but they've said things that in all honesty seem to be just a biblical view of the world. And they lost their job and stuff happens. In those moments, what do we got to do? It's our good deeds, by the way, rather than our strong opinions that matter. But we sh we, people should see our good deeds. You should see what we're like. And they should say, God is great. And, and, and sometimes we're tempted to hide those good deeds because it's going to create pressure. But actually, when, if, if, uh, showing people around our good deeds is a, is a performance. It's a, if it's a photo opportunity, if it's a, a chance to draw self-promoting praise from people, that's the time to keep your deeds low profile. So Jesus isn't being, uh, uh, isn't being strange. He's just saying, think about your motives when you're doing Christian living. And then he illustrates this principle from three practices from, the, from a disciple's life. And he, and he talks about giving, prayer, and fasting. Now you think, why does he choose those? He chooses those because that's what all Jews would have done. That was like what they had to do. To be a good Jew, you had to give, give to the poor, be generous-hearted. You have to give, you had to pray, and you had to uh, fast. That fast at feast days, feast of atonement, you have to fast. And it's interesting, actually, Muslims have got those three, plus they add the Hajj and one other, which escapes me because I'm not a very good Muslim. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, but, but that's the kind of root. They come from Judaism. And so, so these are the practices of everyday Judaism. And so Jesus says, when you, when you. In other words, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. I mean, if it was 21st century culture, it would be if you, wouldn't it? If you. If you give to the poor. If you give. If you pray. If you fast. But he assumes that 
giving and prayer and fasting are deliberate attacks that we'll do. Even though that was part of the Jewish culture, he still expects them us to do it. That actually, when they, say what, when they said to him, why don't your disciples fast? He said, well, they won't fast while I'm here, but when I'm not here, they should fast. Should we fast? We'll talk about motives later. But you should give, and you should pray, and you should fast. And it's interestingly that Jesus chooses those three, and all of those three, giving, prayer, and fasting, require these things. They require self-sacrifice, self-denial, and self-discipline. Self-sacrifice, self-denial, and self-discipline. Hands up who loves self-sacrifice, self-denial, and self-discipline. Apart from my wife and Brad. (laughs) The reality is that's the antithesis of what we're like. It's the total opposite of what we're like. We are into self-promotion, self-centeredness, self-esteem, play to the crowd motivation. Is that what we're into? Who loves that? Who loves it when everyone thinks you're amazing? Yeah, great preach Howard. Please come and say to me afterwards. No, don't. Don't. No. (laughs) That's what we like. And so he says there's a sense we do these things And Jesus picks these things because they're part of Jewish culture, but he picks these things because these are the antithesis of our kind of self-promoting culture. And then he says, when you do these, do not be like hypocrites. Do not be like the hypocrites. Jesus calls those who play for the applause of the crowd hypocrites. Now, William Shakespeare wrote a play in 1850 called As You Like It, and it contains one of his most famous lines, All the world is a stage, and the men, I've added, and women, are merely players. They have their part, their exits and entrances. One man or woman plays his or her part many, uh, in time, plays many parts. When you add the extra gender, it sort of doesn't flow, does it? But you know what I'm saying. It's basically, Shakespeare admits, the world is a stage. The world is a stage. You are playing your part. Everybody's playing their part. Everybody has their moments where they come on the stage when they're born and they have the moments where they, they exit the stage. But the reality is nobody's life is totally secret. Everybody's life is played out before other people. Now, if Shakespeare had been writing in Greek, which is the language of the New Testament and the language I think that Jesus uh, taught this in, although he spoke Aramaic, it's clear that he also sp- uh, knew and spoke Greek. He, sa- he could have said this, all the world's a stage And all the men and women are merely hypocrites. Because hypocrite literally means actor. Hypocrite literally means actor. In Greek theatre, what would happen is the actors wouldn't put on makeup and uh, and costume uh, um, uh, on their faces to, 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 to play the part. They'd hold up masks. They'd have these clay masks. So a a hypocrite was literally one who wears a mask to play a part, to perform in the theatre. So Jesus took the word hypocrite from the Greek theatre, there would have been one not far away in the the ten cities, the ten Greek cities near where uh, he's talking, and he takes it from the theatre and puts it out into the world. And we don't use it in the theatre now, we use it in the world, don't we? We all kind of know what it means. It's somebody who's putting on a mask, somebody who's kind of faking. Jesus took the the world and identified it as a very human trait. To put on a mask, to give a good impression, to put the best side to the camera, to pretend to be something we're not, to hide who we truly are. Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a mask wearer. 
And he gives us some examples. I'm, gonna, I'm not got time to go through all three of them. But the first one he talks about is the, the facade of generous giving. The facade, the mask, the fake of generous giving. So when you give to the needy, he says, do not announce it with trumpets. I think he's actually having a bit of a, a giggle. I don't know if anybody actually did have a trumpet person following them around as they gave to the to needy, you know, the person out in the street begging trumpets, whatever. I, I don't know if he's actually... Uh, being ironic or people actually did this i mean if they did this goodness me you know ridiculous but but do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues in the church that would be the equivalent for us and on the streets to be read it with me honored by others i tell you they've received their wages in full but when you get to give the needy do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and then your Father who knows what's done in secret will reward you. I mean, what is the human heart like? To take something good like overflowing generosity and to twist it out of shape into something that actually, instead of flowing out of our bank accounts, flowing out of our hands, actually something that flows back to us, that gives honour and praise and flows back into our empty hearts. I mean, what are we like? You know, to put on a facade of generous giving, to blow a trumpet so nobody misses your giving, and then to put on a mask and with sleight of hand to disguise self-promotion, to be honoured by others. I mean, you've seen it, haven't you? I don't know if I've got a slide here. My slides were all over the place this morning, but hopefully there's some. Is there a slide of somebody with a big check? Yes. (laughs) You've all seen these, haven't you? You know, so you give your little bit to children in need whatever, but a big charity likes to come in as like, and here we are, whatever it is, here's our big check, here's our, why do they do that? Why do they do that? Because they want you to think, what a wonderful bank HSBC is, giving all this money to the poor, brilliant, yeah, or the big celebrity that brings on their, their big check and gives it, what they're doing is at the, at the one time they're saying, I'm giving to the poor, but the, uh, the next minute, they're patting themselves on the back at the same hand, time. With the, ru- with the left, right hand, they're giving the big check. With the left hand, they're patting themselves on the back and saying, aren't we amazing? And to be honest, we're like that, aren't we? We're like that. You know, we, we, we're kind of self-congratulating ourselves at every moment and thinking how brilliant you are. And, and sometimes, you know, you can be, go through your week and think, Oh, I did this good thing. And instead of thinking, I did it for you, you think, I'm doing great. How's your spiritual life going? Going great. Because you feel like, I've earned it. I've got myself. And we've done it as a subtle self-promotion. We've done it as a kind of way to earn, earn credit. Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I mean, in one sense, that's nonsense, isn't it? You know, how can you disguise, aha, aha, you know, but I put my money in, you know, whatever, I'll give my money to the poor, give my put, and, and uh, this one's got no idea. I don't think he's meaning like that. And uh, I read somebody who said it's a bit like driving a car. Hands up if you drive a car. Keep your hand up if you drive a manual. I've got an automatic now, so I only drive with one hand, which is naughty, isn't it? You're supposed to drive with two. But it's a bit like driving a car. So if you drive a car, you drive with this hand, and this hand is doing this, isn't it? But you're not really conscious of either hand, are you? 
You just kind of do it. It's something that comes natural to you. And I think Jesus is saying, obviously he's not talking about driving cars, but the, the illustration still works. He's saying this should be something that comes naturally to you. You're not thinking very consciously, aha, at this moment I'm giving to the poor, or at this moment I'm being generous. We should just do this naturally as if it comes like, as if it's like driving a car, if it's like riding a bike. You're not conscious of doing it, you just do it. That's what it means. It doesn't mean like we have to have some, some weird secrecy system. Mm-hmm. You know, like, whoa, okay, if I give my tithe to the church, whoa, hang on a minute, can I put my name on? Oh, but we need to give it. You know, I think we need to be wise, but I don't think it's that. I, say, I think he's saying just let's be natural. Let's be natural. But our temptation is, is while we're holding the check and patting ourselves on the back, we're massaging our ego, aren't we? Ooh, I've done my giving. And Jesus says, don't do that. You've received your reward already. Second thing, which is not really so much in our culture, but it's just kind of more generally, is he, t- he talks about prayer as a performance. Jesus repeats the pattern, but it gets closer to home for Christians. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Remember the hypocrites, mask-wearing fakes. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. I tell you the truth, they've received their wage in full. And in verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling empty words like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Every culture has things that it celebrates and things it frowns upon, right? Every culture has that. So our culture values uh, physical appearance. Get yourself down for the plastic surgeon. Come on. It values achievement. Here's my CV. Values intelligent. Which university do you go to? It values wealth creation. Wow. That's a nice guy you're driving. It also values resilience. It's a bit more subtle. It values self-reliance. Even, strangely, in, our, uh, in an upside-down kind of world, values victimhood. So what we like to do is we like to, to say how good-looking we are and how intelligent we are and how I've, how I've got through resilience. That's what our culture values. First-century Israel culture valued other things. What gained you influence in first-century Israel was religious observance. It wasn't that religious practices were bad, but, that, but actually, if you did them, you, got, um, you gained reputation. And so the Pharisees here, they definitely made everybody know that they were doing the right things. They're all showing their religious observance. Why? Because that society favoured it, and it meant you became the insider, and you got influence. Now, we kind of don't have that in our society. I mean, it's a little bit. There are some parts of the world where that still works. I mean, I... I've, I've been told in the past I mustn't use Donald Trump as an example, but I think most of the Americans have gone back. <laughs> I'm not having a dig at Trump. I'm just saying there are some places where actually if you do something that looks kind of religious, then that gets you credit, doesn't it? If you're a presidential candidate in the United States and you don't go to church in the campaign, that is not going to go well for you, is it? Are you looking like I'm saying something like completely untrue? It's totally true, isn't it? And there are parts of the world, and I think when I, even when I, when, when I grew up as a kid, it was definitely changing, but certainly when my parents grew up in the 1950s, to go to church was socially acceptable and it was a good thing to do. Prime ministers, British prime ministers, definitely expected to, to say they were Christians or to go to church. It was like that. But uh, it's totally changed now. 
But, but we, we definitely have that uh, parts of the world where, where you, public piety gains you credit, whether it's real or fake. I, I'm not making comment whether this is real or... Well, I am, I really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> by your fruits they shall know them, it says, eh? Not by the Bible they hold up. But actually in churches, that temptation is, is even more real. It's true for Christians because in church... We actually do value piety. I think we do, don't we? And it's even worse for church leaders. The temptation to virtue signal your spirituality in order to gain influence and reputation is really real. If you've not experienced that, you probably haven't been in church. You know, we kind of like to look. In the here, it's actually, well, you know, I'm fasting this week. You know, I've got to. I've got a, God gave me this amazing picture. Or, sorry, Laura, I didn't wish to cut you. Do you know whatever? We can do it all for the wrong reasons. Because in here, you can gain reputation and influence by looking spiritual. So you might have heard the prayers uh, that purports to be addressed to God, but if you listen carefully, it's really addressed primarily to the people in the room. How do I know about that? Because I remember when I was just married to Naomi, she's thankfully out at youth today. I was in, I was in church. I wasn't on church staff. I was a, as a school teacher. And it was like a bit like a church like ours where you could come to the front. And I came to the front and I prayed my best prayer. And he said, I sat down. And then after having lunch, he said to me, what was that? I was like, what? He said, who was that prayer really prayed to, Howard? I went, God. And he went, no, no, really, 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 come on. And I thought, you got me. I'd leveraged into my prayer my, my best spiritual insights, my well-pitched fervency, my exceptional Christianese cliches, my appropriate sentiments, to signal, I'm virtuous. Please make me a leader. I thought, Ben, don't do that to me. But the problem is, I'd seen it modelled. I'd seen it modelled by church leader after church leader and, and, and worship leader after worship leader in uh, uh, congregations that filled the churches and filled the pews in mega churches or even little churches who expected church to be a performance and expected pastors to be celebrities. We don't obviously suffer from that, do we? Because every week everything goes wrong. So my attempts at being a celebrity are just total fail. I was, we had dinner with some people last night, and I said, you know, when we first came to Manchester, I, uh, when I came from Manchester to Cheltenham, I was really definitely trying to build a, a, a mega church. And part of it was, yes, Jesus, wouldn't it be great if it was a mega church? Glory to your name. But wouldn't it be great if it was a mega church? Glory to my name. <laughs> Horrible, isn't it? Of course, none of you suffer from that at all. But Jesus passes judgment on the leaders of his day, Matthew 23. Read Matthew 23. He, he takes both barrels out and goes, boom. <laughs> Everything you do, he's talking to the religious leaders of the day, is for people to see. End of. Can't, you know, make, they make their head boxes. You know, the, 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 the Jews have made these boxes with, with scriptures in them. And, and you can see, if you go to Orthodox parts of Manchester or Jewish communities, you can see these little boxes where they have scripture in but they used to make theirs really big. It's like, here's my head box. You know, 
it's like, really? And then he says, and he says, they make the tassels on their garments long. That tassels were used for prayer. They make the tassels. They love the place of honor at the banquets. Hey, celebrity pastor, please come. First class travel, jet plane. Yes, come and have a banquet. Oh, please come sit at the front. You know, they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace. Hello, Howard. Oh, you're pastor of God first, lovely. So it doesn't work for God first, actually, but it does work when I say I'm the chair of governors at Valcaris. So I was talking to the XMP a few weeks ago, and he said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a, I, I, I lead God first. He was like, oh, he wasn't interested. And then I'm talking about something. I said, oh, full disclosure, I'm chair of governors at Valcaris. He said, oh, let's have coffee. I thought, great, this is, this is very good. But we can do it, don't we? And, and we want to be respected by others and called rabbi and teacher. But the thing is, here's the thing. If we want church to be a performance, let's not be surprised when people start wearing masks. If we want church to be a performance, isn't that right, Ben? <laughs> ben Bevan, <laughs> he spoke to me, but we chatted about this. Let's not be surprised when people start wearing masks. I'm not saying Ben Bevan is a mask wearer, but he says there's something wrong about church's performance. There's not something, anything wrong with excellence, not something wrong with great music or good preaching or, 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 or powerful prophetic words, but when church becomes a performance, people start wearing masks. And I'm no longer shocked when mask after mask slips and we see behind the mask the self-promotion uh, self and the image management. That guy just, was Justin Bieber's pastor. Pastor of a big, big church in New York City. Celebrity pastor. His Instagram pose was like the glory slide. Now, we're not having a go at him. I'm saying the culture created in him. He had to be a celebrity. He had to be perfect. And the more he had to wear a mask, because the people expected that of him, the more he got hollowed out in him. Naomi teases me and says, it's a good job God first is at a mega church, isn't it? And it's true, because I'd be horrible. I mean, you might think more horrible now, but hey, but that's another story. <laughs> so, but Jesus isn't, uh, what's the time? Quick. Jesus isn't saying there's no place for gathered prayer. So what you can do, you're now totally paranoid, aren't you? Oh, flip, if I come to the front, if I pray, if I, if I go to a church prayer meeting and open my Bible and read, people, people are going to be getting out their little measures. Ooh, that's a little bit hypocritical. Ooh, that sounded like it was a little bit praying to the crowd, wasn't it? Ooh, hang on a minute. He's not saying that. He's not saying there isn't a place where one person's prayer stirs the next person to prayer and we do business with God. Jesus is saying there's no place for prayer as theatre. There's no place for prayer as flashy, ostentatious, mask-wearing, costume drama. Thanks, couples. Dallas Willard, brilliant, passed away some years ago, brilliant pastor, theologian, said this. God does not intrude on prayer. That's merely a human project. That, does not involve, that doesn't involve him in what we're doing. I mean, think about that. It's like, you're having a prayer meeting, but everybody's really pretending, or you're doing something, you're, or even you're praying in your own bedroom and you're self-congratulating yourself. Here I am, I haven't missed a Bible reading for a month now. Take Steve Moore. Wow, I'm doing great. You know, it, 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 God's not interested in that. He says, God does not involve himself in that if it's a, if it's a merely human project. God does not like to be present where he's not wanted. And he knows when he isn't wanted. He knows when he's wanted and when he's not. We could get paranoid about this, but saying, there is a place for public prayer, but I think it's a bit like an iceberg. If you're going to have 
one-tenth of your, and I say this because I do a lot of public stuff, so I'm, man, I'm under pressure. But you do one-tenth of public stuff, there should be how much underneath? Nine-tenths underneath. Nine-tenths of our spirituality be seeking the Father, seeking the audience of one in the secret place. Oh, flip. That's why everybody's feeling terrible at this point. And Jesus says, okay, I know you're feeling terrible right now, so let me teach you how to pray. Where, pray, our Father. Okay, Father, our Father. We, pray, we talked about this as a template because you're feeling like, I'm really worried about my motives. And Jesus said, I don't want you to be worried about your motives. I want you to engage with God. Go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's in unseen, then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. There is a place actually where mask wearing is allowed. If you picked up the passage, you know where it is. If you're fasting, Jesus says, do wear a mask. You know, you feel like, oh, I'm fasting today. Sackcloth, ashes, miserable. Why are you looking miserable today? Oh, I'm fasting. Fasting. You know, I've been fasting for 40 days now. I've been fasting. Jesus said, no, no, I don't want that. I'd like you to just pretend. How's it going? Great. Biscuit? No, it's fine. Not, oh, I'm fasting. You are allowed to wear a mask. Jesus is saying, it's okay to fast. You know, I'm not going to ask who fasts. Jesus says, we do not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the Father's mouth. Fasting are those moments where we say, I need Father more than I need food. I preach to myself. But what Jesus is saying, there's no virtual signal in allowed in fasting. So let's finish. Nearly finished. Yeah, we're nearly done. So Jesus talks about rewards. Jesus is really clear about rewards. Four times. I don't know what translations you've got. If you followed mine, I like to kind of translate. I take the NIV and I might change some words. Not to fit me, but I tend to look at different translations and find it. But that you might find in your translation the word rewards is there four times. Actually, the, the word that's translated rewards four times, two of the words are... Um, two of the words are wages, and one of them is reward, and two of them are reward. So these are the ones you're looking for. You'll have no reward in the very first, be be careful, do not practice your righteousness before men to be seen by men. You'll have no reward from your Father who's in the heavens. And then he talks about the fake behavior and says, truly they've received their reward or their wages in full. And then he says, your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So he's saying actually that everything we do is, you do it for some, there is a motivation. It's not like we do motivationless acts. But it's like, who is it for? Who's the audience? Rene Descartes made me look, uh, sorry, virtual signaling moment. He says, masked, I advance. Masked, I advance. My career, in my perception, in people's view of me, masked I go forward but it's not true is it because we fear that unmasked will decline oh Howard I don't really know what you're like oh I found out this oh oh no oh I'm sorted I'm fine no 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 what so we masked I advance unmasked we declined but we've been lied to 
We play to the wrong audience because you've been told and I've been told what we really need to be fully satisfied is for everyone to love you. Facebook post. Like, 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 like. Oh. Facebook post. <whistles> we just play to the wrong crowd. We've been told to be satisfied if you play to the crowd. And we, and we think, and the, Jesus says, if that's the wage you want, you'll get what you've earned. One like, a hundred likes. Celebrity status, you'll get what you earn. If you play to the crowd, that's exactly what you'll get. You'll get what you earn. You'll get, I wrote this, the empty, fickle, fleeting praise of people. A praise that's ultimately addictive enslaving and debilitating. If you are a people pleaser, the people will never be pleased and you'll never be satisfied. Tell me that's true. It's true, isn't it? And we've been told a lie. Dallas Willard again says this. When we do that, it's such a great line. The ego is bloated, but the soul shrivels. What do you want? What do we want? Do we want people to think we're great so our ego is bloated and our soul is shriveled or we say no we're not having that rick warren pastor from california says wearing a mask wears you out faking it is fatiguing the most exhausting activity is pretending to be watch uh, to read it for me to be watched oh that was my dyslexia kicking in there so i lost a few points didn't i to be not to, I can't even read it now. Anyway, you got it there, haven't you? To be what? I'm going to determine. To be what you know you aren't. It's hard work faking. And you try really hard, and you try really hard, and you get a moment's fleeting applause. You get 15 minutes of fame, according to Andy Warhol, and that is it. If that's what we want, fine. We don't want that, do we? We want, we want the Father's reward. We want the Father's reward. Now, the Father's reward is not like a wage. You don't get what you earn. The Father's reward, he gives you himself, his overflowing love, his grace, his forgiveness, his delight, his speaking over you. You are my beloved son, daughter. I'm well pleased with you. Nothing can separate from my life. He speaks all those things over you. But the ultimate reward is, is what? Or whose? It's him, isn't it? He's the one we want. He's the one we want. True rewards lie elsewhere. Os Guinness said, the true people of faith have lived as if they stood before an audience of one. The Lord is our reward. He's what we seek in prayer and fasting and pouring ourselves in generosity. The reward we seek is Jesus. And he is worthy of self-sacrifice Self-denial, self-discipline. Anyone wants to come after me, that's the price. But the reward is a pearl of great price. It's a treasure in a field that's better than anything, that we ditch everything to have it. I'll get rid of all the praise and glory and adoration of the crowd. I just want his, his voice. And where do we seek it? We go here every week, and I need to move this so people don't die. That wouldn't do well, would it? I would lose points for that. We finish here every week. Where, where do you find, where do you find this transforming power? You find it at the cross of Jesus. So we break bread 
and we say that, that Jesus' body was broken and Jesus' blood was shed. And every week I think, what is this to do with what I'm preaching? And I pray hard and think hard. And I think it's always relevant, isn't it? Isn't it always relevant? It's not like there's something else that's going to be the answer. When we find him at the cross, our sin means that he is naked and uncovered, exposed to all to see. The worst thing that we would want. All our vulnerabilities, all, all of us exposed and naked. Nakedness is a, is a picture of how we feel about what we're like on the inside. No. Fig leaves, hiding. Jesus is naked and exposed. There's no hiding, no fig leaves. Just the shame of our sin. But when we seek him, how do you come? How do you come? You don't come, do you know, Jesus, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty sorted. I've given to the poor. I come to church. I pray. I've led a small group. Preached on Sundays. I fast occasionally. Well, I, 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 I lie to Steve Moat that I do. But, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, can you, will you have me? You don't come like that, do you? Thank you, Paul. You don't come like that. How do you come? You come, Jesus, I open the door. Oh, do you know what I've done? Do you know what I've said? Do you know? And you think, oh, no, I, I mustn't. No, no. I come, I say, I, I confess. I bow down and say, Jesus, I need you. Right in that heart place where you want to do the surgery, where you want to do the work. I take off my mask, I open the door, let you in there. Do you know what? The one who died in naked shame, he brings healing. That thing that was done to you brings healing. There's no healing in hiding, but yet when you say to him, Jesus, come, then suddenly there's healing. Suddenly there's forgiveness. You know, I did that thing and I can't forgive myself. That's not the story. Jesus is healing you. Jesus is forgiving you. Jesus is making you his and called and suddenly you live and face the world not with a mask on but with unveiled face. Band, why don't you come back? I'm done. I just thought I'd finish with this verse. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your very great reward. We put on a mask as a shield. We pretend as a shield. We fake it as a shield. It's a facade as a shield. And Jesus says, no, I'm your shield. Take off the mask. You're safe with me. Your secret, your sins, your difficulties, your challenges are safe with me. I am your shield. Come on in here. And I am your great reward. There's nothing else we want more than him. I've just reflected... I've just reflected. Why don't we like to come to the front? A, the sermon's really poor, and I wish you'd finish earlier. Okay, fine, you're right. B, the dinner's burning at home, and I like to get off. C, okay, fair enough, that's all right. C, people might think that I've actually got some issues. People might think that if I come for prayer, I've been doing some things I shouldn't, and my reputation might look not so good. And besides, if, if I pray, you know, they might ask me and it's all going to be very, very embarrassing. I'm not saying you all got to come to the front to virtual signal now because you're all like, oh, oh, am I supposed to come to the front or not? I'm just saying don't sit there and say you don't need him. If you need him, 
Let's come. When we come and break bread, we're saying, I need him. Oh, it's the same application every week. How boring. No, we need him. We need him. You come, you take off your mask. You say you need him. Let's stand. We're going to take off our mask before we come. I had dinner with some people last night. We were talking about the Anglican communion service. And we sort of said, well, you know, there's a bit where you say, I've sinned against you in thought and word and deed through ignorance, through weakness, through my own deliberate fault, through faking, through self-promotion, through mask wearing kept myself from you and now I confess Paul says when you take this bread examine yourself take off your mask and stop patting yourself on the back and let him deal with you in those areas where you're broken in those areas where you need encouragement in those areas where you feel if they if, if somebody knew that I'd be done. He knows it. He's healed it. He's died to forgive you. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning, I'm not going to point my finger and say you're playing for the crowd. You may be deeply sincere. I knew lots of people who are Christians who are not Christians who are deeply sincere. But there's really, we believe, there's only one place where the heart surgery can truly get done. And that's with Jesus, the broken one. Amen? So let's come. Let's take bread and wine. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.